Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I've told my story several times. Stop seven times in one year. Uh, that has been said a lot. But I will stop this year uh, driving while black. We find ourselves at a place with a package that I think speaks to the families that I spoke with yesterday who lost loved ones. We hear you. I think this package speaks very clearly to the young person who's concerned when he's stopped by the law enforcement officers. We see you. That was Tim Scott, the only black Republican in the United States Senate and the man spearheading his party's efforts on police reform. He's laying out his personal experience with police as he introduces the bill. Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily D.C. Momentum for police reform continues to build in Washington, but Republicans and Democrats appear to be on a collision course when it comes to turning that momentum into law. Today, Senate Republicans introduced their version of police reform legislation, as Senator Scott outlined. But their proposal stops short of the sweeping national mandates proposed by House Democrats, like requiring officers to wear body cameras and banning chokeholds. Today, House Democrats led the markup of their bill in committee, setting up a full vote next week. Meanwhile, the president put forward his own executive order on police reform yesterday. He maintained his hardline law and order rhetoric, and he raised questions about what he would actually support and sign into law, which certainly ensures that all this action on police reform will continue to be a major theme heading into November's election. So joining me now to help break all of this down is former Utah Republican Congresswoman and one of our political commentators, Mia Love. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the bill that Senate Republicans introduced this morning. Uh, It incentivizes things like bans on chokeholds and the use of body cameras uh, by making federal grant money contingent on policy changes. But what it doesn't do is actually mandate many of these reforms, which the House Democratic uh, bill does. What do you make of the competing approaches, sort of a mandate on one end from the Democrats sort of chokeholds are banned versus the Republican approach, which is a federal money contingency sort of to incentivize behavior. Well, it's really interesting because you are hitting upon the problems that Washington actually has as a former mayor and also as a former member of the Republican Party in the United States House of Representatives. Feeling like you needed to do something is uh, what Washington is good at. But actually putting teeth behind the policy is what they are not good at. It's almost like we want to show America that we're doing something, but we're not really willing to enforce those policies because we're going to be held accountable. So I know that Kevin McCarthy really wanted to support the ban on the chokeholds. And I know that there were some issues with Republicans actually supporting that. But you really, you can't enforce anything unless you actually have 
teeth behind it, some mandates behind it. And the other thing I feel like it's really important if we're really going to accomplish something, instead of feeling like we're just doing something just to do it, if we're really going to accomplish reforms that are actually going to make a change, we have to give the local mayors like Keisha Lance Bottoms and Mayor Stephen Reed the ability to uh, be able to enforce their police reforms. Now, it sounded like you were saying when you were referencing McCarthy's interest in getting rid of chokeholds and that, you know, perhaps there was some bipartisan ability there on that issue, that mandates are not necessarily a bad thing all the time, that that having a federal mandate on something actually is the kind of teeth, right, that you're talking right. about that, that, that Congress can do? Right. So, I mean, look, it's already in our Constitution, no cruel and unjust punishment. I don't believe that those chokeholds is something that is needed in order to subdue somebody, even if it just doesn't make any sense to me. So mandating that is almost like enforcing the Constitution to me. So I don't have a problem with that mandate. It actually puts some teeth behind the policies that they're trying to enforce. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said his intention is to get this bill that Tim Scott rolled out this morning onto the floor before the July 4th recess. Is that the kind of urgency this issue needs? Is this sort of, I don't want to say rush because I don't mean to put a value judgment on it, but I mean the fact that McConnell wants this on the floor next week, does that give you a sense that Washington may be more serious about this than just trying to appear like getting something done? Or is that too early to tell yet? Okay, so I have mixed feelings about that. I'm a fan of Tim Scott. He's a great friend. I call him a friend. And I know that he cares about the community he lives in. He cares about the Black community in general. We have worked together on policies and also have been outspoken when our own members of Congress have said things that I that we believe are inappropriate and un-American. So I trust him. The only issue that I have is Washington believes that they have, especially policymakers, They believe that they have all of the answers. I do think that there is a little bit of rush, but there is some urgency. But you show the urgency by getting out and reaching out to the community and saying, what, how do I represent your cities? How do I represent your area? How do I represent America to actually know that the changes and the policies that we're implementing are actually going to make a difference? To what you were discussing earlier, some of the Republican senators this morning in the press conference said that they were there and this effort was about truly trying to make a law, not making a point. But take a listen to what Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, the Democratic leader, said just minutes after the Republican bill was announced. We expect our Republican colleagues to work with us to make significant improvement to any legislation in order for it to pass. There's been a lot of talk from the Republican leader about the real challenge of getting onto a bill. Frankly, the real challenge is whether Senate Republicans will be able to step up to the plate and rise to the moment and vote for a bill that actually solves the problem. Mia, would I... I don't want to uh, completely lose every listener to this podcast right now in sort of Senate ease and procedure, but it, it does take 60 votes in the Senate to even get onto and debating a bill, which means that uh, Republicans will need some Democrats if they can't even get that far because the Democrats deem either what the Republicans put forward as such a non-starter or that the Democrats deem it is to their political benefit to put up a fight or, or however it is. This seems like a moment 
where Washington, and right now I'm talking about specifically the Senate, I know you served in the other body, but has to decide here if this is going to be a moment that they're looking to actually make change or if it's going to be sort of Washington politics as usual. How are we going to know as we observe this what the answer is to that? Okay, so there lies in the question. There's a problem of trust in between the leaders on both sides of the aisle. And if Schumer really felt as if he wanted to get something done, it's just a matter of opinion, right? Because you've got his political aspirations and making sure that they win uh, on the political side. And it's the same thing on the GOP side. I think that really, it depends on whether he's really willing to work with uh, Senate Republicans to get something through that is actually going to make a difference. I've always said, and I believe this on both sides of the aisle, people end up making perfect the enemy of a really good win. And so, in other words, their idea of perfect stops progress, stops good policy from going through. In football, you don't have to go for a touchdown every time. A first down over and over and over again actually lands you a touchdown. And so it would be a shame if they don't come together and actually have a debate so that the American people can be involved and witness what's happening and be part of the discussion. That would be a shame. That is what would even, would fuel the mistrust, not just between Republicans and Democrats, but Washington and the American people. We'll be back with a lot more from former Congresswoman Mia Love. We're back with Mia Love. So I am so excited to be talking to you because it is so rare that we have someone who used to be a member of Congress so can speak a little more, hopefully, just unvarnished about the way things go on on the Hill, and but yet somebody with deep knowledge of how it works. So let's leave the Senate, go across the Capitol to the House, where today the Judiciary Committee was starting to mark up the House Democratic bill on this, which is, you know, obviously Mitch McConnell is already called sort of dead on arrival in the Senate and is more sweeping than perhaps the president is willing to sign. So I guess my question is, we have heard some areas where there's potential compromise. And I just want to know, in those moments where compromise may be possible on Capitol Hill, take us inside the rooms. What happens? Or how does it indicate that, no, 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 there is going to be some possibility here, like in the Judiciary Committee today, that that there might be something that comes out of this that indicates a way in which a bill can get to the president's desk, uh, signed and into law. I mean, sometimes I think we have to go back to sort of Schoolhouse Rock Live and just learning about how a bill becomes a law. How How inside these rooms do you know which moment this is for Washington? Okay, so most of the time it starts off in conferences where you're actually having conversations between your own colleagues and where the leadership will tell you these are the conversations that they've had with the other side of the aisle. I have to tell you that the more comprehensive a bill is, the more difficult it is to get it through because there are always these little deal breakers for members of Congress. And the bigger it is, the more people you have peeling off of the bill. So that's one thing. The more simplistic 
and urgent, the better. The other thing I'd also like to say, I'm also a person that was involved in the Congressional Black Caucus. It was probably the best thing that I ever did as a member of Congress. Here I am, the only Republican in the Congressional Black Caucus, yet because we put our differences aside and just focus solely on the Black community, I have to tell you, I have friends that I will call my dear friends for life. And that was an area where we had a bridge where they felt like they had a voice in the Republican conference and vice versa. They would say, hey, Mia, I know we can't support this bill, but if you can get this in there, maybe we can support it. Even if you can get this in there, that would be better. And I feel as if we're moving further and further away from that, those bipartisan caucuses where you have members from different sides of the aisle participating in that. So how it works on the inside, the bigger the bills, the more difficult it is. You don't have to go any further than the tax reform bill, right? Healthcare bills, those big bills, very difficult to get bipartisan support in those bills. Let me turn to President Trump for a second. He put out the executive order yesterday and he did say, you know, he left a lot of the major issues up to Congress that will have to be legislated, can't be handled through executive order. One of his proposals in that was to create a national database for police misconduct. I'm wondering if in what you saw out of the White House yesterday, you thought that was sufficient, not sufficient, Congress needs to do much more. What was your take on the executive order? Well, my knee-jerk reaction is, and, and this has been forming for the past several years, has been to not completely, you can't trust Washington to make all of those decisions for you. I would have preferred if he would have brought a lot of the more local entities and said, this is what I'm hearing, this is what they're saying. I I would prefer for the White House not to handle these types of policies, to just enforce the laws that are created by the legislative branch. There have been so many of the blurring of the lines there that I do agree with 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 the White House saying, "Look, we're going to have to Congress is going to have to make these decisions." Um, I, I agree with that, but I also think that there's a little bit of leadership. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. A lot of um, missed opportunities in in healing the nation. I think one of the first things that the president should have come out and said is that what is happening is absolutely wrong, and. I am going to be there to make sure that this, we don't get another George Floyd. We don't have these situations. It's gone on for way, way too long. Have you heard anything like that from him since the beginning of this? I don't know if you have. I haven't. I really wish that would go a long way. Um, and right now, it's almost like we're, we're taking sides. You know, when people say, hey, everybody's wrong on on both sides. Well, what, what side is that? Is that police versus people? What, what is that? Because there's some great police officers and, and, um, and, and this is an American side. There are people that, um, there are police officers that should not be there. Really, I, I do like the idea of the database because obviously some um, supervisors are letting these things slide. In the case of George Floyd, this officer had several incidents, had several um, cases where he should have been punished and, and it shouldn't have gotten as far as it as it has. But I think all of these people need to be held accountable. And the only way that you do that is having their record follow them. So, I mean, um, you, you, I, just, I just want to get us away from this taking sides of all of this. We, we should be always on the side of um, the, the American people. When you're up against a law enforcement officer and they have the tasers, they have a gun, they have the batons, 
the responsibility should shift heavily on the side of the person who has power over the person in the community that is just, you know, that is assumed innocent until they are actually guilty. You know, the the other thing that it seems to me that shouldn't be something where there are sides is the acknowledgement about systemic racism, uh, not just in law enforcement uh, and criminal justice throughout the country, but in other avenues of the country as well. But the president and members of his administration have continued to either sidestep or downplay or just outright disagree and say uh, that systemic racism does not exist. What you mentioned, you were a lone Republican voice. You were one of two black Republicans uh, while serving in Congress. You, You mentioned your experience in the CBC. What would you say to someone in your party who feels that way, that that can't bring themselves to see and acknowledge systemic racism in many facets of American society, but specifically in the criminal justice system? Okay, so first, if it, uh, I would say, if I were the president, and I'll say this in the capacity that I have, I will say that the indifference has to stop. And the word, I keep using the word indifferent because of several reasons. One is all Americans, whether you believe you're racist or not, whether you are or not, you can't look at something that's happening and say, oh, that's that's too bad, and then turn around and go about your life. I think that there are times where you have to look and say, what can I do? What have I done? Have I in some way helped or stood back and said, that's too bad, and moved on with my life. Two, as a parent that has a son of color, I have to have, you have to get comfortable having these uncomfortable conversations. But we all have to have this conversation with our children to say, hey, this is what may happen. And that's a scary conversation to have. My son is 12 years old. It's a difficult conversation, but I have to have those conversations with him. And last but not least, police officers, when they have this great responsibility, they have to say, okay, I'm going to go into a situation where I have to, um, I have to question someone. Um, how would I want my child, how would I want someone to treat my child, my brother, my sister? Um, because as far as I'm concerned, we're not, we're not free from this. This is not, this is something that affects all of us. My brother, a while ago when he was working for a company, went and had some lunch. And then out of the blue, police stopped him, took his food, threw it on the ground, handcuffed him. And um, he started asking what's going on, what's happening. Um, He said that the police officer said that you are being arrested for aggravated armed robbery. And he was just like, what? I just went four shops down to get something to eat. And he was being put into the police car when the owner of Hallmark ran out and said, that's not him. That's not him. He wasn't even wearing a red shirt. Now, can you imagine the hopelessness, the embarrassment, as you see all of your work colleagues walk out and watch this happen and have to pick up your food from the ground and walk back into work? No apology, nothing. We can do better. We can do better. All of us can do better. Former Congressman Mia Love, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, we urge you to do so. Use the hashtag TheDailyDC. 
Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow.